Welcome to Behind the Chalk, a podcast that brings you tools, strategies, and insights from educators everywhere. I am your host, Lindsay Simpson, and I am so excited to share with you conversations with educators from every level discussing our passions, insights, research, and experiences across the profession. Thank you so much for joining today for a special crossover episode sharing 10 tips for new educators with fellow podcast host of Edumagic Future Teacher Podcast, Dr. Samantha Fessich. Are you a teacher who has already been in the classroom? If so, I would love to share your tips to future teachers. So please head on over to Twitter and share with Sam and I as you listen at chalkedu or on Instagram at behindthechalkedu. With me today on this amazing crossover episode um, is a very special guest. Can you please introduce yourself, share a little bit about your show so we can get you some subscribers from my audience and um, a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Hey, everyone. My name is Dr. Sam Fessich, and I'm so excited to be here. After my students had a assignment, which was listen to a podcast and give some takeaways behind the chocolate was by far one of the top most listened to um, shows with different episodes that they had um, reflected upon. I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to get Lindsay on my show. We got to collaborate. So I'm so excited to be here and have this collaboration finally going. Um, so my name is Dr. Sam and I teach future teachers at Grove City College all about ed tech and special education. Um, and I love what I do. I'm I'm also the author of Edgy Magic, a guide for pre-service teachers. And today we're going to be sharing tips for new teachers that come from my, um, the five that I'm going to share come from my book, Edgy Magic Shine On, a guide for new teachers. So I'm excited to share some of these takeaways and strategies to help our new teachers in the crowd. Wonderful. I can't wait to get started sharing these wonderful tips. All right. So I, I, do you mind if I hop in first and then we go can have it. you go next? All right, awesome. So my first tip is relationships first and foremost, all day, every day. You know, whether it's building relationships with your colleagues in your building. So if you're a new teacher, you're building those relationships with your new colleagues, with your grade level um, colleagues, or maybe with administration. Also building relationships if we're a student teacher, if we're listening to and we're a student teaching next semester, building relationships with your mentor or your cooperating teacher. And I know that can be a little nerve wracking, like you're sending that first email or you're making that first phone call. It's like, what do I even say? Be truthful, be honest to you, um, and the conversation will flow. Um, for those who are making connections with your cooperating teacher, introduce yourself, share how you're excited to be working with that teacher this semester, maybe even share out your college, your certification area, and then you know set up a time to maybe have a virtual or in-person uh, socially distanced coffee with your cooperating teacher. But first and foremost, it's so important to get to know our students, whether you are in a field placement for a couple days a week, a student teaching placement, which is a, usually a lot of weeks, or you're a new teacher beginning your journey into education um, as a new educator, it's so important to get to know your students beyond that interest survey. Get to know them as each unique individuals in your classroom. And there's a couple of other people you can get to know too, like other professionals in the building, especially if you have any special ed teachers in the crowd, getting to know your paraprofessionals, your classroom assistant, other professionals like speech therapists, hearing therapists, all the therapists. Um, get to know them along with counseling services 
services, administrative assistants and custodians, everyone get to know everybody because you never know when you're going to need help because as a new teacher, you're not expected to be perfect. You're going to have questions. So have an open mind and get to know others. That is an amazing tip. And actually, I'm going to follow up with my tip that kind of piggybacks perfectly Yay! on that one. <laughs> and it's finding the resources in your district and using them. So as you are introducing yourself um, to all of those really important people in the building, whether it's your admin, collaborating teachers, um, your paraprofessionals, you know, what are the other resources in your building that are going to help you be successful as an educator? Do you have instructional coaches in your district? Um, a librarians are magical, magical people. And I find that they're so knowledgeable in so many different ways and be able to just connect you with resources, being able to help you with digital tools at times. Uh, and often they just know all of the people in the building. So I always introduce myself to the librarian. Uh, and then the secretarial and office staff and maintenance staff should be your best friends. So make sure you introduce yourself to them and, you know, on on weekends, you know, leave a thank you note. You know, you can do things that don't cost you any money, but people appreciate so much. And then when you lock yourself out of the room, they're going to be willing to come get you in. You know? <laughs> I may have done that once or twice. <laughs> Same. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but in all seriousness, these are people who are really great resources. And as you teach your lessons and you're trying to make connections to the real world, these are people who you can pull in and, and work with your kids and really elevate your lessons uh, to another level. And, and so those instructional coaches, librarians, secretarial, office staff, maintenance staff, uh, go find them, go befriend them, and uh, bake them cookies once in a while and your life is set. Yes, I love that. And that piggybacks so great off of building those relationships. Use the resources that are available to you in your district. That's awesome. So I have a tip number three, and this is a good one whenever we're thinking about, you know, starting a new school year, we're starting fresh, what are our expectations for ourselves as teachers, for ourselves as leaders, because yes, new teachers, you can be a leader in your district as a first year teacher, you can be a leader, so step into that. How are you going to be a leader for your students? How are you going to be a leader in your school and in your district? Also setting those expectations for your students. So thinking about and brainstorming, what are your expectations for each of the students in your classroom? And writing those down. It's also a great time to think about your expectations as a learner. And this one's going to um, blend beautifully into one of yours, Lindsay. Yes. Um, being a lifelong learner is absolutely critical. So how are you going to continue that learning? Because we know, um, our Edgy Magic friends, that learning doesn't stop when you cross the stage of graduation. It is just beginning. Your journey is just beginning as a new teacher. So it's so important to keep that learning going. And I'm going to kick it on over to you, Lindsay, for the next one. Yes. And that, and that is a perfect segue because my next tip is to be a lifelong learner. You know, I really believe strongly that, uh, like you said, learning doesn't stop when you get that degree and when it arrives in the mail. You know, you, as an educator, you're modeling learning for your students. And so that should always continue. So, you know, ask questions, observe often, 
ask for feedback as a way to help you grow. And that can be from a number of different people, right? Because depending on your district, you may have formal observations. You may have to go through those steps at the end of the school year, or maybe you have an administrator who helps you set goals and you check in throughout the school year. And those are wonderful meetings that hopefully will help you grow as a professional. But there are other people who you can also go to to help you become a lifelong learner. If you have a mentor teacher, if you're part of a school district that, you know, the, the person across the hall becomes someone that you go ask questions to often. What I find is no matter what your situation is, administrators are very supportive of you wanting to grow. So going out and asking and saying, hey, can I just, can you help me find coverage for a period so that I could observe another teacher and possibly look for new strategies and, and find some things that could benefit my teaching? I don't, I have not yet an administrator who has not wanted to support something like that. And so being able to go out and observe and ask for feedback in that type of way from anyone in your building can help you grow throughout the profession. And if you're a veteran teacher listening, don't be afraid of those new teachers, right? You know, I just ended an interview panel and uh, we, we just hired four new teachers and every single one of them I thought, okay, next year I'm gonna pop into their room and as a coach, I may have something to share with them, but they already have given me hints that they're going to have something to share with me, and I will be learning from them as well. So anybody could offer you a way to grow. And with that, you are reminded as a professional as you watch other people in their practice to be flexible with your strategies and expectations because your plans will constantly change. <laughs> yes. What works? So what doesn't? Oh, that was a huge flop. Or maybe it flopped with period one, but it rocked with period eight. But guess what? All kids are different, and that's why that happens. So you've got to be able to roll with the punches, laugh with it, and just be flexible. Yes, absolutely. I think flexibility is a key feature of what makes a teacher great, is the ability to kind of roll with it, make adaptations on the cha on the fly, change things up. You can read the room and kind of see what's working, what's not. Um, yeah, oh, that's a good one. I like that one, Lindsay. <laughs> yeah, I think if we, uh, with limiting to 10 tips for this episode, I had to squeeze flexibility in there, but I think that on its own could be a whole other episode. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely teachers are kind of like gymnasts we bob and weave you know we're moving with the moving with the uh, students and seeing how they're doing with their with their lesson because you're right every class period is unique and, and some things might go well with one class and other class well, maybe not and that's okay and that's okay exactly exactly all right, I have another tip called disappointments will happen. And, you know, we can think about teaching. There are going to be days where your face hurts from smiling so much and laughing so much. And there are going to be days where you're crying your car and everything in between. And all of that is perfectly normal. Everybody goes through it their first year, maybe their second year, third year. But understanding that this is just, this is learning. This is how you learn how to be a teacher. You have to get that first year done so you can continue to learn and grow. So a couple of things to think about during your first year. I mean, we can all, you know, think about our student teaching. Maybe you had a, um, 
a virtual student teaching experience or a hybrid student teaching experience. And you know, that is a disappointment, okay? I didn't have a traditional student teaching experience, but you did have a teaching experience, which which is really powerful. So, so lean into that. What are some glows that you got from that experience? And of course, what are some growths? So use some time to reflect upon that this summer. Um, when we think about our disappointments, um, you will make mistakes in lesson planning, you'll make mistakes in delivery, and that is okay. So it's so important to reflect. One of my students says reflection saves lives, yours and your students. And it absolutely does because if you're reflecting often, not only did my students meet my objectives, but reflecting on the rapport, the respect in your classroom. How do your student how are your students feeling? Checking in with their SEL, um, checking in on academics, of course, um, but also being there outside of those academic hours. So reflecting on on the lesson, but thinking about we know that our students come in with that invisible backpack. So how are we also connecting with them? So when we think about, you know, the lessons that we're delivering, the content that we're, we're giving to our students, have a little sticky note or a, or a journal or a planner or somewhere where you can jot down really quickly in the moment things that you might change for next period or next time you teach this because you're going to think you remember. But after the next class comes like, wait a minute, I thought I was going to change that up, you know. Um, so that happens. So just jot down some quick ideas. Um, and then also thinking about, you know, going up out of your district to find connections with people. Having a professional learning network or a PLN has really helped me to reflect, ask questions, engage in conversation, and make connections like this one today um, to really uh, lean into practice and be the best teacher that I can. So it's really important to, when disappointments happen, it's okay. Take them one step at a time. You got this. Um, reflect upon it and what can you do to grow in that moment. I love that. And, and again, our tips meld so perfectly together because my <laughs> next one is growth is good, which means you may fail, right? So failing is a part of growing. And so remembering that, you know, your first year lesson plans will not all be keepers and great, right? We're not all perfect. Try number one. And we teach that to our students. And so we have to remember that as people, that that's true no matter what your age. So you know, I'll never forget my first lesson plan that I was so excited to do, and I actually was doing it to be observed, and it was the biggest flop ever. <laughs> it was just absolutely terrible. Everything that could go wrong went wrong, and in the end, I was just so, um, you know, I was really apprehensive to meet with my principal because he had observed that, that terrible lesson. And I thought it was going to be this awful conversation. And really what happened was that we were able to talk as professionals and he was able to commend me for, for being flexible and recognizing what wasn't working and changing it in the moment and not uh, letting the students see that I was disappointed with how the lesson was going. And so you have to Yes, he and he gave me so much power. That's such a great word. Um, yeah, he did. He gave me such great power as an educator such early on in my career to recognize those moments as being okay. And so I want to make sure that all educators entering the field or all educators that are in the field already know it is okay to fail. That's how we grow. So cut yourself some slack because you're just learning along with your students and that's what we should be doing. 
there's always room for improvement. And, and hopefully that's the goal, right? We want to get better year to year. We don't want anything getting dusty in the filing cabinets as we pull them out and do the same thing. We want to keep making sure that we're growing and failing, right? Fail forward. That's, that's right. the point. And that, that blends beautifully um, into your career as a STEM coach because as students are practicing different things, you're doing reiterations, there are edits, there's, you know, go back and redos. That's what, you know, failing for is all about. You're, you're, you might make a mistake or take a risk that doesn't pan out, but that's okay because you're still going to learn from it. Exactly. And whether you are in a STEM classroom, a math classroom, a social studies classroom, an ELA classroom, a music classroom, right, it doesn't matter what environment you're in, it is such a great lesson. And hopefully the goal is we and our content specialties can work together so that students hear the same message across the board and be able to carry that belief everywhere they go. Yes, yes, I love that. I love that. It's kind of allowing our students to feel you are unstoppable, which is my next one. So meaning like, College isn't going to teach you, and your teacher prep program isn't going to teach you every situation that you're going to come across as an educator. As a new teacher, you're going to experience lots of different situations. Some are going to be awesome and great. Some are not, and that's okay. So we know that our students, we talked about this earlier, come in with that invisible backpack. That's why it's so important to check in with our students how are they doing mentally, socially, emotionally? Um, because that could reflect in their behavior in class or how they're performing in their academics. So understanding that each of the students that come into your class are unique individuals, getting to know them, understanding where they're coming from could affect you know, their classroom behavior, your classroom management, all of those things. But also knowing that by getting to know your students, you're allowing them to open up to you as, as a trusted person. And you, and you might be uh, one of the only people in their lives that can, can be there for them, can be that constant. And that's a really important role that you get to play in a child's life. So giving them hope, giving them support when they need it, it can be so life-changing for students. And we hear that time and time again from celebrities to everyday people where they share, a teacher believed in me or because a teacher believed me when I couldn't, I was able to do and all these things. And it, it's amazing the role that a teacher plays in a child's life. And I'm sure we both can share stories on that, but it really you get to do this each day. So take that as a, a blessing, as a calling, as whatever you want it to be. But you get to do that day in, day out with students. You get to be there for them and support them, not only teach them reading, writing, and math, science, all those subjects, but you get to be that person in their lives. And that's a really amazing role. I, yes, and I could not <laughs> sing the praises of that tip more. You know, when we think about our students, um, you know, some of them are able to recognize the teachers in their life that was able to support them uh, later on. Some, not so much, right? But it doesn't mean that it's less meaningful or you're less impactful. And so even if you just look day by day, if you're going to be there for your students each and every day and one each day is a separate entity, that makes a difference. Even if you can support your students one day, 
uh, one day at a time, it's going to help them so much in the long run. Right. Absolutely. So my next tip is to get organized in a manageable way. And in my notes, I have manageable in all capital letters because that was one of the hardest things for me to do. So I've always kind of struggled as a student with organization, right? So I was that student who did the homework but uh, never turned it in because it, it got lost in the backpack or I don't remember what binder I put it in, right? So I almost had this problem of trying to be too organized. And I still do, right? The folders on my laptop have folders within folders within folders, and then I never know which one folder I share, uh, saved something to. So <laughs> I, I'm still working on that manageable part. But it is so important to think about when you enter your classroom, either for the first time or you're reflecting on your practice, to find a way of planning that allows for flexibility, allows you to find the things when you need them, uh, but also allows you to create and prioritize lists, right? Because one of the things that I learned very early on in my career that it would be very easy for me to stay in my classroom until six, seven, eight o'clock at night. And in fact, the first year of my teaching, my husband and I were living in separate cities because of our job. And so I often did. I stayed six, seven, eight o'clock at night because the, there was nobody else at home. And it, it's not sustainable. That's not right. something that you can do um, for your whole career without burning out. And so being able to create and prioritize a list and say, these are the things that I have to do today. These are the things that really I could do tomorrow. And these are the things that if I get done eventually, I will do a happy dance because at least they got done. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, uh, but that, it took me a long time to learn that. Um, and so now, you know, when we talk about self-care, which I am going to talk about for my next tip, but when we think about how we're going to be self-care as teachers, how we're going to respect our time, and how we're going to balance a work-life uh, balance, then these are the things that help us do that. And so when I was planning my lessons, I shifted to wanting to plan as many units and as many things as possible at once to get it all done to planning one week in advance. And that helped me with my own mindset of, of wanting to feel prepared. I always had one week in advance. So if I did have a sick day or I had an emergency, there was already plans in place. My copies were already made. Whatever the case may be, I had a five drawer organizer next to my desk and it was labeled Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and everything was in there. And so I could always know that whether it was a cooperating teacher, whether it was a substitute teacher, I could say just open up Tuesday, it's ready to roll. Uh, but it also allowed me to be flexible. And so if there was a a path that my students were leading me down and, and questions that they had or, or a way of learning that I wasn't expecting, I wanted to follow them and I wanted to encourage them and I wanted them to be the leaders in the room. But that also meant that I had to know that tomorrow's Wednesday drawer may not actually look like that anymore. And so I had to give myself the, the okay to be flexible and know that that could change or just bump it all back a day. Wednesday becomes Thursday, Thursday becomes Friday, and so on and so forth. So whether you have a five-drawer organizer 
whether you have a table of piles like my cooperating teacher <laughs> had, which kind of drove me crazy, but it worked for her and that's all that mattered. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to find a system that works for you, that's manageable and allows you to have some balance. And there goes that flexibility piece again, right? Um, I think that's so, I, I loved your manageable was in capital letters and it takes it takes a while to get to know a system that works for you it really does i mean as you change different positions as you change grade levels you know you you work in a different way and and that's okay so if you're still trying to figure it figure out the way you're going to manage all your materials the way you're going to organize your content and your lists and things like that it's okay to figure it out as you go and try other techniques and strategies and that's such a good point because i have done so many different things in my career though it's been sh- short while well, i still consider myself in the beginning but i've been a special education teacher i've been a general education teacher and and now i'm a steam coach and in every role and in every grade level, it has it's shifted a little bit. Something has changed. Something works better. And so, again, that, that flexibility is a reoccurring theme that I hope yes. everyone's picking up on. Because I love it. I think it does. It great. comes back into play. It does. It does. And I'm going to kind of lean on that a little bit with my last tip, which is remembering your why. And, friends, you know my story for um, my teaching journey. I, when I started college, I thought I wanted to be a first-grade teacher. And I ended up graduating with an elementary and a special ed degree and got into a multiple disabilities classroom where I was a teacher for a couple of years. Then I became a tech coach and, you know, and then now I'm teaching future teachers. So my why, just like Lindsay's why, has changed throughout our careers. It's shifted. It's, it's been a flexible piece in our careers that's helped us move into other roles and move into other steps along the way within our teaching journey. I think it's so interesting to think about your journey, where you've started and where you're going and, and how different experiences and different assignments, different um, yeah, different experiences come into play when it comes to thinking about you know, when you graduate, what do you want to do? Do you want to get another degree? Do you want to get a master's, an endorsement, a post back? All sorts of different things that you can do as a teacher to continue that learning. But it's so important wherever you are in your journey is to remember your why, because that's going to that's going to be what keeps you fueled throughout that day. Sometimes when you just feel like crying and that is OK. Remember your why. Why are you there to impact students in that classroom, the students in that school, in that district, in that state, in the country and around the world? And I truly, truly believe that teachers do impact, have a global impact for sure, around the world when it comes to working with students. So remember your why, write it down, and it's okay if it changes throughout the year, throughout um, your journey, because that just shows that you're growing. Yes, and as you're remembering your why and you're keeping yourself fueled, this perfectly goes into my last tip, which is to start self-care from the start of your career to prevent that early burnout. Right. So, you know, I already shared a little bit. I I had a learning curve when I started and balancing work hours versus personal time. Um, But it's important to know it's, you know, that first year you're going to work hard. If you're just entering the profession, that that's a year where you probably will stay later than other people in your building or you may show up earlier or 
or you may find yourself doing things that maybe not everyone else is doing because you're just starting out. And that is normal, right? But we want to try and prevent this feeling that I've got to do everything in year one because you don't. You, you have plenty of time. So baby step your way into getting involved with your district, right? So whether it's coaching, whether it's, you know, advising a club, whether it's volunteering for a picnic, think about what is on your plate and knowing that it's okay to say no sometimes. And that's the biggest lesson I've had and, and one that I'm still working on is being able to say no because I am passionate about my teachers. I'm passionate about my students. And when a student asks me to do something, I was just asked to go on a five-day trip to Washington, D.C. by a student, and it was the hardest thing I've done in the last 14 months is say no. Um, but I had to. You know, there were yeah. some reasons I couldn't. Um, but it's okay. And, and the students understood. Um, and so will everybody else when you have to say no. Mm-hmm. So baby step your way in. Find that balance figure out how to balance work hours versus personal time so that you don't do that burnout. And most importantly, my last tip is to surround yourself with positivity, but not toxic positivity, which is a term I've recently learned. Tell me more. (laughs) So, you know, with the pandemic, we've had a lot of people saying, it's okay, we're all doing great. This is We're all going to learn in different ways, and that's going to help us grow. And isn't this a wonderful opportunity? And those are all all true things. But there also needs to be a time and a space for you to say, this kind of sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I miss my colleagues. I miss my students. You know, technology does bridge the gap so well if you know how to use it. But for those who have not kept up with technology, it's been a struggle. And that's okay to say. It's okay it's been a struggle. It's okay to say this isn't helping everybody because we don't have internet equity. You know, and so these are just examples from the pandemic. But it could be any school year um, in any situation. Be positive, but also find your people. Find people that you could sit down and say, you know what? that things aren't perfect. And these these are the things that are not perfect. And find the people that not only will complain with you, but also will push you to find uh, ways of making it better. Because that's going to be the key right there, is anybody can sit and complain with you in a staff room. <laughs> the best people are the people who sit and complain with you and then turn to you and say, okay, so what are you going to do about it? Yes, yes. Holy cow. <laughs> Yes. So find those like-minded teachers who will push you well, celebrate with you, and who will lift you up and you can lift them up. And, and, you know, be kind to the people who live in negativity because they need kindness, um, but recognize that that is not self-care. So, you know, find, find those ways to prevent the burnout, right? Find that balance in work and personal time baby step your way into being involved so that you know how to give yourself that balance. Know it's okay to say no and find those people who are going to push you and love you and celebrate with you. I love all those things. And Lindy, I can't believe we got through all 10 of our tips already. I'm going to quickly recap mine just with some quick, uh, you know, little bullet points. Do you want to, do you mind recapping yours as well? Yes, absolutely. Let's do it. 
All right, so for mine, my five tips were relationships first and foremost. Set up your expectations for yourself as a teacher, a leader, a learner, and also for your students as learners and leaders in their classroom. Disappointments are going to happen, but it's okay. You can do this. These are speed bumps. These are just pull-offs along the, your journey for your first year. Disappointments will happen. It's okay. You'll get back on track. You are unstoppable and remembering your why. And it's okay if it changes. Love it. And so just as a, a recap of mine, remember that you are a lifelong learner. And so ask questions, observe often, and accept that feedback so that you can grow. And that was another tip is growth is good, which means you will fail. So accept that fail forward. But as you are failing and you're growing, find those resources in your district and use them, whether they're instructional coaches, librarians, secretarial and office staff, maintenance staff, everybody is a resource and it's up to you to say hello and make that connection. Get yourself organized in a manageable way, something that you can follow, but that also allows flexibility. And last but certainly not least is start self-care from the start to prevent that early burnout. And self-care is something I wish I learned more about early in my career because it really does help prevent early burnout. Truly, truly, truly. It does. And again, this could be a whole other episode, but with self-care often becomes guilt. And don't be guilt. Don't feel that guilt. Self-care is necessary. Right. Absolutely. Lindsay, this has been a blast. Yes, yes. And for my listeners, how could they connect with you? Absolutely. You can find me over on Twitter or Instagram at SFESICH. That's S-F-E-C-I-C-H. To find uh, these tips and more depth and additional tips, you can uh, check out my new book, Magic Shine On, a guide for new teachers. You can find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. And then to find my podcast, Magic, a uh, future teacher podcast, you can find it over on, you know, all the places where you subscribe. So wherever you subscribe to this show, you can subscribe to Magic as well. And this has been a blast. This has been awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. It has been a wonderful collaboration. Guys, I had so much fun with Sam and passing back and forth 10 tips for emerging teachers. If you would like to connect with her, please check out our show notes to find her website, follow her on Twitter or Instagram, and even find a link to her books, Magic: A Guide for Pre-Service Teachers, and Edumagic Shine On, A Guide for New Teachers. So check out those links to connect with Sam. You won't regret it. And again, we would love to hear your tips for new teachers. So whether it's Instagram, at Behind the Chalk EDU, or Twitter, at Chalk EDU, tag us both and give us a shout to share your tip. Finally, I like to give a little book highlight from something that I have been reading. Right now, I am making my way through the distance learning playbook. Module eight focused on feedback, assessment, and grading. The best quote from this module comes from page 149 and says, an assessment is an assessment. There's nothing magical about the tool itself. It's what you do with it. When I completed our book study with this book with our district, we took the time to review some of the digital tools that we could utilize as a district to not only assist in formative assessments, but also increase engagement in our students for these assessments. The biggest focus was not only to make sure we were assessing students' learning, but that 
We were also reviewing the results and using those results to inform instruction. We are a Microsoft school. So while I understand not all schools are 365 schools, I'm going to share some of the assessment tools that topped our list. For formative assessments, Microsoft Forms takes the cake. This is a great and easy tool to use that you can embed pretty much anywhere. It's not only easy for teachers to create, but also for students to complete. A bonus with Forms is that you can pull it into a Microsoft assignment as a quiz, and you can also embed Forms into a stream video. This bumps up engagement for videos you assign by embedding questions at certain places that you choose along your video. For example, you may have an instructional video on World War II. At the two minute mark, you embed the video and then your instruction will pause. And in the same window where the video was playing, questions will appear to assess the student's comprehension of what they have learned so far. When they are done answering the questions, they continue with the video. The answers are then all available for you as the instructor to view. The next two tools focus on ways of giving feedback. We all know that students are more engaged in conversation than reading the red markings you place on their papers. So why not send them your voice in your face when giving that feedback? With OneNote, you can embed audio of you providing feedback to a student's work and place it right on the page. Likewise, you can create a video in OneNote and place it right on the page. The student is then able to see and hear you replicating what they have in a face-to-face -face class or what they would be experiencing during the day if they're at home in the evening. Now, their relationship with you is influencing their participation, and hopefully this means they're paying a little bit more attention to that feedback you are taking the time to give them. So whether you have access to these tools or you have alternatives, there are many tools out there that do the same thing. So get familiar with those tools so you can take advantage of them and boost students' attention to feedback, assignments, and grades. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of Behind the Chalk. Want to hear more? Subscribe and review the podcast wherever you like to listen and follow the podcast on Twitter at ChalkEDU.